Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. Tonight we're going to be continuing our uh, series on letters from prison. And tonight we're going to be talking about how uh, the Apostle Paul is leaving a message with us here about staying true. Part four, staying true. That'll figure in uh, a little bit later in our uh, word tonight. But uh, let me tell you that, that the Bible teaches some very clear things. And we're here on a Wednesday night because we want to go a little deeper in the Bible. We're here in a midweek service because we want just a little bit more than perhaps a Sunday morning crowd. And I, I, I don't know how else to put it. But Jesus ministered to different recognizable groups of people that were different sizes. And I believe that everything that is put in the Bible is put there for a reason. You know, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's, it's, it's to our glory, the Bible says, when we search a matter out. You know, uh, God reveals things to us as we study so that we can really understand the, the, the number, the multiple uh, you know, uh, things that God is showing even in one passage. But if we were to look and watch what Jesus did and how Jesus ministered, there was an identifiable crowd that Jesus calls the multitudes. Y'all remember the multitudes. Sometimes there was 5,000. Sometimes there was 7,000. One time when he fed the 5,000, it says that was just the men. Besides the women and children, could have been 15,000. You know, And up on the Mount of Beatitudes, there were thousands. He called them the multitudes. Jesus ministered to the multitudes. And to the multitudes, Jesus had a clear message. Read about it in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. The Bible says he healed the multitudes. The Bible says he fed the multitudes. And the Bible says he blessed the multitudes. Whenever a preacher, listen to me preachers, okay? And this is what I teach preachers all over the world. In fact, I'll just be teaching this in, uh, let's see, in about two weeks or so. I'll be teaching this in Kenya to 26 overseers of Church on the Rock churches from Rwanda, Burundi, uh, you know, Tanzania, Uganda, you know, Kenya, all of East Africa. And I'll be teaching them some of these same principles. And uh, because we need to understand, there are a few things preachers need to understand. It's not how much you say that makes a difference. It's not how long you preach that makes a difference. It's not what you say that makes a difference. It's what people will take home with them. So we need to make sure that we package it in such a way and say it in such a way that it's memorable and that it's just enough for somebody to carry home. Give them too much and they'll, you know, the cycle break before they get home. Y'all know how it is? That's, that's the reality, okay? But Jesus ministered to the multitudes. And to the multitudes, he, he had a bless me, feed me, heal me message. Then there was another group of people that's identifiable in the Scriptures from Matthew 10 and from Luke 10, called the 70. The 70 were disciples. They followed Jesus more closely than the multitudes did. Jesus said to the multitudes, you wouldn't be here except I fed your bellies. You wouldn't be here uh, except I healed you. You wouldn't be here, uh, you know, uh, to the 70, 
he had a different message. The Bible says in Luke, the 10th chapter, he gave the 70 powers over devils to cast them out and to heal diseases. And then he sent them out two by two into every place which he would later come. And they went out and they said, oh, my goodness. They came back in Luke chapter uh, uh, 10. And by the way, this is not in my notes if you're looking for it. Okay. Uh, but they came back in Luke chapter 10 and they said, oh, my goodness, the devils are subject to us in your name. He said, yes, yes, I know. But don't rejoice in that. Rejoice rather that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He had to correct their doctrine a little bit because he was using them. He wasn't just blessing, feeding, and healing them. He actually was using them to reach people and places that he was not able to reach at one time. And so, you know, there is an identifiable group of the multitudes. Then there's an identifiable group of 70 people who follow Jesus and who work for Jesus and are happy about being happy and are happy about being gifted and happy about, you know, Jesus is going to do something for me. He's going to give me power over devils. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Oh, my goodness, I get to, I get to heal and I get, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go and let's, let's, let's have some fun with this Jesus, okay? But then later, John chapter 6, we can read where Jesus said, the 70 were there, and Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, or you have no part in me. You know, it's akin to, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. The 70 said to Jesus, uh-uh, ain't doing that. That's a hard saying, they said. Jesus said, well, if you don't basically take it, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. I mean, this is all, this is not all milk and cookies. Hello? It's not all power over demons. It's not all, you know, bless me, feed me, heal me. Sometimes it may cost you in order to do the work of God. The Bible says in John, the sixth chapter, that the 70 said, you better hush that up because if you're going to tell me that it's going to cost me something, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. And the Bible says the 70 turned and walked with him no more. Isn't that interesting? They turned and walked with him no more. This is the group that he had given power over demons to cast them out and to heal diseases. Well, Jesus at that point in John 6, he turned to the 12 and he said, will you leave me also? And they said, what are you talking about? To the 70, it was a hard saying. To the 12, Peter said, these are the words of life. You're not telling me anything tough. <laughs> These are the words of life. This is, this is what I feed on. This excites me. You know, another identifiable group, the 12. We have the 5,000. We have the 70. We have the 12 identifiable groups in the Bible to which Jesus preached an identifiable message. He preached to the multitudes. That's like a Sunday morning crowd. Do you know on Sunday mornings, Bless me, feed me, heal me. You want to come in here on Sunday mornings? You're going to hear, you hear a, 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 a wonderful evangelist? It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. You know, they're going to bless me, feed me, heal me. It's not that they, you know, it's not that they don't know more. And sometimes people think, you know, if all you ever do is come on a Sunday morning, you may think I'm shallow. If all you do is come on a Sunday morning, I may think you're shallow. 
Hello? I mean, I don't know. You know this is Wednesday night. You know, this is, this is not Sunday morning. Okay? If you're tuning in tonight, you're asking for a little more. Okay? You've fallen a little closer. Okay? You've got to get a little tougher. You know, somewhere on a Wednesday night, you know, uh, the, the, the 12 were in the multitude, but they were working. You know, on Sunday morning, you know where the 12 is? They're working. They're feeding the multitude. You know, they're working. You know, you know uh, they're on, 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 on the Wednesday night, they're, they're probably working. You know, uh, uh, but there are different messages. And so on Wednesday night, it's important that we go just a little bit deeper. I'm not here to give you milk and cookies tonight. Okay? Uh, on Sunday mornings, it has to be a little bit of milk and cookies. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and then on Wednesday night, it can be a little, a little bit tougher. And then if you want to come to one of our discipleship meetings or one of our close, then listen, we'll get down to where, uh, where the brass tacks is. And uh, ultimately, uh, Jesus was an absolute, he was perfect. But he was an expert in reading the crowd and giving them what they would receive he said to everyone i have things to tell you about that you can't take right now if i were to tell you you would not be able to receive it you wouldn't even believe it you know well church is not all about bless me feed me heal me but that's the only relationship that some people have with jesus church is not all about power and all about me getting, you know, healing the sick and cleansing the leper and raising the dead and casting out devils. And, you know, and, and, and it's not all about that either. The devil's being subject to us. It's, if you want to get closer to Jesus, it's about letting this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself, denied himself, took up his cross and followed the will of God. And that's what, you know, God is looking for. In every group of people, he's wanting to know how close will you get, how far will you come, how much can I give you to do for me? How, how much of you will you give God to work through? Okay. And so uh, at any rate, the Bible teaches us some very important principles. And the Bible teaches so much. And the one thing that it clearly teaches is that there is only one God. And he told Moses that his name is Yahweh. Isn't that interesting? God even told his name. Uh, Exodus 3.14, if you want to read it, he said, I am that I am. Who, who shall I say sent me? I am. <laughs> you know, that's where we get this, this word as it is derived Yahweh. Uh, Yahweh describes uh, uh, God. In fact, Yahweh describes himself in the Bible. He is eternal. He's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent. Basically, that means that, that he had no beginning, he had no end. That means that he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he is ever-present everywhere at one time. That's how God describes himself. God also revealed himself to us as a creator, as a savior, as a healer, as a father, and as a friend. These are the things, this is the way God describes himself to us in the Bible. He teaches us so much about himself. And he tells us about his plan for mankind. It's a singular plan for mankind because we were made in his image. And 
man was given the Holy Spirit of God at the moment of his creation. When God created Adam, Genesis 2-7, he breathed into his nostrils the ruach, the breath, the very spirit of God, and man became a living soul. The book of Genesis records the fall of man and the point when sin separated mankind from God. Very clear that the way back to God was not manageable by man, but rather God had to take care of saving man. It was only within God's capacity to deal with sin. And with this in mind, God sent His only begotten Son, born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem. Don't believe any other story. He lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial atoning death on the cross of Calvary. He was buried. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. He spent 40 days appearing to more than 500 and showing himself alive by many infallible proofs. And then he ascended into heaven. And he left a promise that he would come again. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is very, very plain about this. He will one day rule the earth in righteousness and true holiness. When Jesus ascended into heaven to await his coming again. And by the way, the Bible says he is interceding for us. Jesus is praying for us right now. He's talking to the Father God about us right now. While he is awaiting his coming, after he ascended into heaven, a week later he sent the Holy Spirit of God. He sent the Holy Spirit to live in the lives of men and women, boys and girls, who believe in Him and receive Him as Lord and Savior. As well, the Holy Spirit was given into the earth to empower the church and to convict the hearts of the lost concerning the love of Jesus Christ. And this Holy Spirit is still active today. It was during the early period of the church, about 30 years after Jesus had been crucified, resurrected, and ascended. About 30 years later, I put it around A.D. Uh, 62, that uh, the Apostle Paul was incarcerated in prison in Rome. He was locked up for preaching the gospel and uh, he was moved by the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit that had been on the earth now for a little over 30 years, as I count it, uh, that, that this, this Holy Spirit was there with the Apostle Paul. The Holy Spirit is, is, is eternal, is omniscient, omnipotent, and He is uh, um, you know, omnipresent. He was there with the Apostle Paul, and he began to inspire the Apostle Paul to put his hand to write a thank you letter to the church in Philippi, to the congregation who had sent him an offering, who had sent him a financial offering to support the gospel ministry that the Apostle Paul had going out from the prison in Rome and also reaching into the palace in Rome. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to share his heart with the Philippian church. And uh, this Holy Spirit... Uh, 
had a greater use for this letter than the Apostle Paul could ever imagine. The Apostle Paul, no doubt, felt that it came upon his heart to write a thank you letter to the church. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement. And this is what I feel that you need to pay attention to. Well, all of these things were were inspired and empowered and and, 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 uh, every word that the Apostle Paul gave the church. The Holy Spirit meant for it to hit its intended target, but also, as I said, the Holy Spirit had a greater use for it that the Apostle Paul could never have imagined. You know, uh, I, 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 I don't know how the Apostle Paul could have imagined that for the last 2,000 years since that moment, the Holy Spirit has guided men and women uh, with integrity to preserve the integrity of the message that the Apostle Paul gave to the Philippian church. The Holy Spirit not only inspired him to write it, but under the supervision of the Holy Spirit, that letter to the Philippians was carried to the church in Philippi, but it was also copied and translated and sent around the world. It crossed the seas. It circled the globe. It, uh, you know, it, uh, t- t- you know, I mean, it even found its way to outer space. Isn't that amazing? Today, there is a never-ending stream of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the writings of the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. There is a never-ending stream of the gospel being sent throughout the earth, across the universe, carried on waves of light, trumpeted by individuals in pulpits on streets and homes and schools and in offices and alleyways and war-torn areas, in nursing homes and hospitals and backyard barbecues, on so social media outlets all throughout the world. That is absolutely amazing that in the year 62, as I read it, that 1,629 words that comprise the book of Philippians, 1,629 words have been preserved with absolute integrity for near 2,000 years and have covered the globe and constantly can be heard today. And most likely, you have a copy of it in your hand, in your pocket, or in your purse. And if you do not right now, you can lay your hands on a copy of it in a heartbeat. That's a pretty big deal. This would be a good place to put a plug-in for one of the things that's taking place here on Saturday morning at our church, our unapologetic conference, to learn some of these things and how you can also uh, share the gospel with integrity to preserve the message of the gospel. It's our responsibility now. It's our turn uh, as a church As believers, it's our turn to preserve the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of its integrity so that the next generation and ten generations from now, should the Lord tarry, will have a copy of this letter with it filled with God's intent instead of what we may have thought about it in commentary. 
Well, if the Apostle Paul had only known, <laughs> do you think he would have felt any different about sending that letter out? Can, can you think about that? I mean, that just amazes me. I love to think down those lines and think, man, uh, wow. Well, tonight let's turn our attention to the last chapter of this book of Philippians this evening. And as we continue to discover uh, uh, the ageless lessons from the Holy Spirit through these letters from prison. Philippians, the fourth chapter, we'll only read a, a, a few of the verses here, but I encourage you, of course, to read the whole book and especially this whole chapter. But there are some very uh, often quoted verses in the fourth chapter of Philippians that we will hit briefly and I'll just leave you to consider them because remember, this is not the bless me, feed me, heal me crowd. This is, uh, let's, let's, you know, let's at least, you know, uh, uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And let's at least be willing to consider laying down our lives, taking up our cross and following him. Let's at least consider that. Philippians 4, I'm reading from the New Living Translation tonight because it has a couple of words in it that I like. One of them will be found in verse 1. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. There's where I got my, my sermon title, stay true. Stay true to the Lord. Well, I tell you what, a preacher could stop right there and preach probably for the next year on just that one thing. Stay true to the Lord. Stay true in your personal life. Stay true in your business affairs. Stay true to the Lord in every area and aspect. Stay true. Be honest to God before God. Honest with yourself before God. Stay true to the Lord. He says, as he continues writing, I love you and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. That's interesting, isn't it? You are the crown, the Apostle Paul said, as he's writing to a church that he birthed and he managed and he wrote back to and encouraged. You are my crown. Those people that you share with the Lord with and those people that you witness to, those people that you positively impact and you encourage, those people are your crown for eternity. Ageless uh, uh, jewels in your crown that you will receive for your work. Verse 2, now I appeal, I just threw this in there for a little fun, by the way. Now I appeal to Eurodia and Synthesi. Now uh, I, I heard a preacher preach one time out of the King James Bible, and, uh, and the King James, authorized King James Version, says Eurodius, Eurodius and uh, Synthesi. He said, let's just do this phonetically. He said, I appeal to those of you who are odious, and for those of you that are soon touchy. Those who are just, just cantankerous, you know, there, there are some people that are just cantankerous and some people that are very soon touchy. They're very quickly offended. Well, I don't know if, uh, how you, you know, you can't read that into here. I don't know what these two people's situation was, but he said this to them. I appeal to you, two ladies, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Boy, if there was ever a wise word sent to the church, sent out to families, sent out to friends, it would be settle your disagreements. I mean, you want a word from the Lord? Thus saith the Lord, settle your disagreements. I mean, we just read it, settle your disagreements. Do what you can. Not, you know, don't, 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 you know, if it's within your power, settle your disagreements. Sometimes it's not within your power. Okay, But when it is within your power, that's what he's talking about, settle your disagreement. 
Uh, these, these, by the way, were two very hardworking women in the church, very, uh, very um, uh, blessed, and they, they, they were of a great help. But disagreements can be so divisive, and it, and it starts out one against one, and it ends up 50 against 50 if you're not watchful. It'll end up you know, uh, bringing uh, whole families into, into uh, division. And that's not the heart of God. Paul wants there to be peace between these two people so that there can be peace in the church. Settle your disagreements. Verse 3, And I ask my true partner to help these two women. Listen, listen. They might need some help settling this agreement. Help them. Encourage them. Okay? Uh, you know, come on now. Help them. Because they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Listen, help them. Don't hurt them. Don't, don't add to the problems uh, that people are experiencing uh, you know, with others in church. If somebody's experiencing a difficult problem with somebody else in church, don't add to it. You know, come on, put the fire out. Don't, don't, don't add fuel to the flame. Don't hurt it. Help these ladies to get over this, to get through this, to help settle these things. You know, you can be a help or you can be a hurt whenever people are having difficulties in their families, on their job. You know, you can listen to them and you can say, you know what I do? You know, you could, you could say what, what my refrigerator repairman said today that just shocked me. It shocked me so much I tried to repeat it later and I couldn't remember all the words. I mean, he said those people don't even deserve to breathe. You know, we all just line them up on I-10 and run over them. He was talking about some of his co-workers. No, he kept on. He kept on and on, so much so that Brenda went in the closet. Later she said, please don't say stuff like that. He said, oh no, they just they don't need to be breathing God's, God's air, my air. This, you know, they don't need to be on this earth. He was just as nice and as pleasant, but boy, did he have a strong opinion about, you know... <laughs> You know, I left the house. I left Brenda in the closet. I just left the house. Hey, refrigerator's working. <laughs> Help. Don't hurt. Hardworking church members are so valuable to God. He's just saying, can you help these hardworking church members? Can you help them to get along with one another so we don't end up wasting life, time, energy, and divide relationships? Because the church has a work to do. So come on now, settle your disagreements, you know. We have an individual and a collective responsibility to help restore and maintain relationships. Okay, now, now to these two really strong verses that are so quoted from the fourth chapter of Philippians. One of them is verse 13. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll read it in the New Living Translation. It says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I mean, how many times have you heard this or seen it written or said it yourself? I go around saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, how many times do I say that? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We know the Holy Spirit said this. This was a Holy Spirit-inspired fact that God gave through Paul to the church in Philippi to say that, that, that we know this is a fact. It's a statement to inspire. You know, uh, it, It's one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. But why did the Holy Spirit say this? To, to what is this connected because we must understand something that is very, very powerful. 
And we must really believe, uh, even, if, um, even if sometimes it challenges our faith, we must really believe that God intended something here, but only what God intended has power. Does that make sense? There's no power in just saying the words. I can't use that to say and, and, and go out and rob a bank. Hello. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I don't think that covers some things. Okay? Let's look back up at verse 12 and see if we can find what he's talking about. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in verse 12, which sets up verse 13, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Hold on a second. He's, he's talking about something here. He's, he's giving us a topic into which this principle of being able to do anything I need to do, he's giving me the parameters into which this fact and this truth fits. Look back at verse 11. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Now, I cannot stress the importance of getting the Word of God right. Because there is no power in taking it out of context. And I know, you know, the, the 5,000 crowd doesn't know what you're talking about. The 70 crowd gets mad when you say that. And the 12 crowd says, yes, sir, Rudy, I believe that. The 70 crowd doesn't like it because it kind of goes against them having power and, you know, and, and getting everything. It's all about them. Oh, hello. Come on now. Because this scripture does not mean that you can just do absolutely anything you want and Jesus is going to help you. It is put into the context, like it or not, context is king when it comes to understanding the Bible. Because the word of God is only the word of God when it is the word of God. When it's not what God intended, it is void of power. The Word of God only means what God meant. And every word and every promise of God is yes and amen, but it is based upon a condition. Okay? Jesus was one sacrifice for all sin forever, but it does not matter in your life unless you accept Him, believe and receive Him as Lord and Savior. Just because that is the truth, that does not mean that, that you get it without condition. Does that make sense? You must believe and receive. Not everyone will go to heaven. You know, that's, that's, that's a sad reality because salvation is conditional upon you believing and receiving. Most every promise we read in the Word of God, you can read a condition to it. I can do all things through Christ is a fact and uh, as it applies to the believer, being able to manage life without respect to what situation you find yourself in. The people who live in developing countries, the people who live today in war-torn areas, the people today who have experienced great loss and those who live in great splendor, they all have the same word of God upon them that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. 
Just because someone does not have a savings account does not mean that they are not living in the will of God. Am I making myself plain? Just because something bad happens to someone does not mean that, 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 that this word doesn't apply to them. It applies to them. And, uh, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul said that it was the Holy Spirit that, 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 made, that, that emphasized through him our need to conquer our own nature and our own need and to be content in whatever place we find ourselves knowing that whether we abound with plenty or whether we be abased that whether we be you know full stomach or empty stomach he said not me holy spirit said Holy Spirit said this applies in whatever situation you find yourself you can do all things through Christ who will give you strength in your day without respect to what that day may bring that you can trust God in every situation you can trust him you can turn your life over to him and we need to make sure we manage our nature and our need to not lose faith in God if we find ourselves hungry. That's his words. That's where that scripture fits. Our conclusion to the letter of the Apostle Paul, uh, again, was writing a letter to thank the Philippian church for sending him encouragement and financial support. And uh, here is another one of the you know, most quoted scriptures in the Bible, verse 19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You may know it better as my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This is a fact. I pray it. I believe it. I receive it. I know it is true. It works for me just like it worked for the Philippian church because I do what the Philippian church did in order for that word to be a reality. The Apostle Paul, if you keep reading, he said the reason God supplies your need is because you have sowed for a harvest. You have supplied my need. You have been faithful to supply my need. Not just once, but several times. Once when I was there and I was leaving Philippi, once when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me some, so, some support. No other church did. And now in Rome, in prison, you're sending me more support. I'm going to tell you that because you have continued to sow into the gospel ministry, because you have continued to sow financial support and encouragement into the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus not according to your need but according to his riches God is going to abundantly supply for you because he knows what you do with the increase he gives you wow it's a principle seen throughout the word of God we reap what we sow the Bible says that there, there must be first a seed before there's a harvest he said give in Luke 6 38 and it'll be given to you it's a conditional blessing 
he said, uh, you know, in, in Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your, with, with your substance, with the first fruit of all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses birthed out with new wine. It's a conditional blessing. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, Malachi 3. And trust me now, here's what says the Lord, and see if I will not rebuke the devourer and open up windows of heaven. It's all conditional. It's a reaping and sowing law. He who waters, Proverbs 11 says, shall be watered also himself. The liberal soul shall be made fat. The generous soul shall be made prosperous. And whatsoever good thing, uh, listen, this is one of my favorites out of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse eight. Uh, whosoever, you know, uh, uh, whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he is free or whether he is in bond slavery. You see, we live a life of reaping and sowing. And that's where Philippians 4.19 releases its power. It's in the life of someone who is, who is sowing and giving. If you sow mercy, you reap mercy. If, if you sow patience, you'll reap patience. You know, if you sow encouragement, you'll reap encouragement. We reap what we sow. Don't be deceived. That's the power of Philippians 4.19. And that's why the Apostle Paul told him, my God's going to supply your needs. You supplied mine. Amen? Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.